Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. Hey, this morning, I'm going to take a break from the Bible Project series we've been working through, and I want to address you because we've been enjoying an amazing week of warm weather, but right around the corner, winter is coming. And I think the, the cold weather and the isolation that those months bring are going to pose a real challenge to our church. So I wanted to pause in the series this morning and talk to you from the heart about how we can gird ourselves in preparation for winter and remain strong and even flourish and grow as a church during the colder months. It's amazing how quickly uh, we can get used to a new normal. And uh, I just... I. It's been so long since we've been able to meet openly and freely with other people. I still cringe when I see a TV show and people are gathered together without masks and hugging each other. Even though it was filmed a long time ago, it's just become this natural response to think that we're supposed to socially distance and wear masks. And so it's, I think it's taken a toll on me, um, and maybe it has on you as well. We're upon our eighth month of this, and... Uh, you know, even though we're used to it, I think it is having an effect on me. And so this week, as I was praying and preparing for this message, the one thing God laid on my heart is don't give in to the natural course of things, but see what's happening and fight. I'm really thankful for the few events we've been able to have since the pandemic began. Um, we've had like Summerfest and uh, Trunk and Treat and the Men's Barbecue, some larger outdoor gatherings that gave us a small glimpse of how life used to be before the, the pandemic. And I'm so thankful for those events. But with winter coming, those outdoor gathering options are going to be gone for the most part. And so we're going to have to be very intentional not to fall into disconnection and isolation from one another. I, I want to thank Elijah for reading the passage this morning. And we're going to look at Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. If you've spent any time in the church at all, this is probably a familiar passage to you. And the writer of Hebrews in these verses issue a clear call to us to be very intentional in engaging one another as the church. I want you to know that sitting in the same audience once a week does not make us a church. It takes a lot more than that for a group of people to become the body of Christ. You know, the pandemic has taken away from us a lot of the dynamic of going to church. But it has not taken away the opportunities and the possibility of being the church. In fact, I think that because we can't go to church in quite the same way, it's forced us to think about what it means for us to be the church. The writer of Hebrews gives us two main exhortations in these verses. And Harvest, I want to call you to be fully committed to practicing these two exhortations because they're given to us as the means by which the body of Christ is built up into a church family. And I, I believe that our renewed commitment to these two things right now are going to help us get through the winter months and emerge very strong next spring as a church. So that first exhortation is that we're called to spur one another on to spur one another on. Let's take a look at verse 24. It says, And let us consider 
how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is not a call for us to do the loving and the good deeds, although we should be doing those things, but it's a call, interestingly, for us to spur others on to do those things, to love and to do good deeds towards other people. This is the only time in the entire book of Hebrews that the author of Hebrews uses the phrase, one another. And the message is really clear. This is not something for the leaders to bear the responsibility for alone. And yes, obviously at Harvest, the leaders will continue to inspire and exhort and challenge you uh, to be your best for Christ and for one another. But this is a call to the church, to the members of the body, to do this for one another. And I don't want you to miss that. This isn't something for your CG leader or your team leader alone to do. It's not something for just the pastors. Everyone in the church bears the calling to spur others on towards expressions of love and good deeds in Christ. Personally, I think it's easier for me to do those things personally myself than to try to get others to do them. Have you found the same? It's a lot easier to do something yourself than to spur another person to change the way that they're behaving. And the truth is it's not always easy to know how to get that done. That's why it says very carefully we're supposed to consider how to do this, consider how we might spur one another on. That word consider, it, it paints a picture of real reflection and thought. It's not something that, duh, it's just open, um, it's openly plain to us. It's something that you have to noodle on because it's not always clear how we can get someone else to do something that's good for them and good for the church and for the world. I love how Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, the message, translates this. It says, let's see how inventive we can be. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging others to love and good deeds. See, bringing out the best in other people as Christ followers, it takes real reflection and creativity. I don't think it'll be immediately evident to all of us, but if we think about it, I think God will give us ideas. One thing is clear, this spurring one another on, it's not meant to be um, like a, a sort of passive dropping hints or being overly subtle. The word spur translates a Greek word, paroxysmos. And the reason I'm showing you the Greek word is because that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's the word from which we get the English paroxysm. Are you familiar with that word? It's a good SAT word. It, it, it has synonyms like spasm or fit or convulsion, seizure, outburst, eruption. A paroxysm is a violent expression or a sudden attack of an emotion or a thing. And so this word spur is a very strong word. It's really rare for it to be used in a positive connotation, but that's how it's used here. And the point is this, we're not supposed to be aggressive or rude or pushy in the way that we get our brothers and sisters to do something. But the point is we're not supposed to just get them to agree, but we're supposed to get them to act. That's the call of the church to one another, is don't just nod our heads together and say, do you believe this is important? But to say, somehow we've got to get one another to the point where we, we are goading one another to action and not just agreement. And I found that sometimes the, the most direct way to spur others to the actions that they know they want and should be doing is to ask them to help me. 
And that's humbling because I don't do very well asking others for help. Even if I'm overloaded with 30 bags and someone goes, hey, do you need a hand? My immediate instinctive reaction is, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. And even when they're trying to get the door, I'm sitting there with my foot trying to pull the handle because I'm proud and I'm self-reliant. But I've noticed that when I ask other people for help, it unlocks something in them, gives them an opportunity to do for me the things that I know they would do, just that they haven't been asked. And sometimes it's about me connecting them to another person or an opportunity where their help will be a real difference maker. Whatever it takes, use creativity, use your imagination, and think about how we can spur one another on to act and not just to agree with how important it is that we as the church love one another and do good deeds for each other and for the world around us. There's a second exhortation the writer of Hebrews gives us, and that is to meet together. It's hard to be a family if we're never together, and so this is important, meeting together. Let's look at verse 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's interesting is that the verb meet does not actually occur in the Greek, but it's more like a verb form of the word together. So maybe a better translation would have been, and let us not give up togethering. Let's not give up togethering. It's interesting that the writer of Hebrews doesn't command us directly to meet together, but he, he commands us, don't give up meeting together. Some in the church had just given up on it, and that word given up, it, it's it's. Um, translated um, as abandoning or forsaking. It's really saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's not worth it. It's not important. We don't know who they were or why they gave up meeting together, but it's clear that they considered fellowship with other Christians dispensable, optional, not essential to the process of being a Christ follower. And they could not have been more wrong. We are called not to give up meeting together. And commands are given because doing the opposite is the most natural thing. Now, because of COVID, meeting together in person has not, it's not so simple anymore, is it? And so I believe this pandemic poses three important questions to us regarding meeting together that we have to navigate as individuals and as a church. The first question is, can we meet? Is it even possible? Is it allowed? And when it comes to that question, I believe it's largely been answered by the state. Now, you might not like that, but that's just the way it is right now, is that the governments that are appointed over us are making decisions for us about what is allowed and what is permitted. And at each phase of the Restore Illinois plan, we have complied with the government's decisions and restrictions. And we've done it primarily because we want to be good neighbors and good stewards in our community. We want to protect the most vulnerable. That's the primary motivation for why we've decided to comply with everything. But we've also done it because of obedience to God's Word. Look at Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. 
You know, I don't believe these verses are saying that there's never a time when active resistance to government uh, isn't allowed. And sometimes it's morally imperative that we do that. But these verses set up for us this idea that God institutes governments and allows them to be in place. And He has purposes we don't understand. So if we ever rebel against the government, we have to take that very seriously. We've got to choose our battles and know that when we do this, we do this even at the possible risk of standing against something God has permitted. There may be times when we as a church are called to do that, and I may even stand at the pulpit someday and call you out to rise up against the government, but I don't believe this is one of those times, and neither do the elders of our church. And remember this, from the very start of this pandemic, we have always been free to meet together virtually online. And we've made the most of that possibility, haven't we? I know that many of us are saying things like, man, I am so zoomed out. Even our children are zoomed out. And I totally get that feeling. But let me introduce another perspective. I want to call us to stop reinforcing this narrative that Zoom is such a drag and it's so bad. Because you know what? It could be so much worse. I don't know if you remember trying to video conference with a group of more than three people in the days before COVID. How frustrating, how glitchy. It was like, um, you know, just so so uh, spotty in connection and so frustrating. And we used to try to do that with our, our team um, in the church plant in Flagstaff, Arizona. And after a while, it just got so frustrating, we gave up. It's really hard. But then Zoom comes along, and it was a sleeper before the pandemic, and it just blew up because it was this hidden gem, such a stable, high-def video connection. And I'm going to tell you right now that, yes, Zoom is not as good as being there in person, but Zoom is such a gift for a time like this. I really so appreciate that I can see a face and not just hear a disembodied voice. Now, I don't think the problem primarily is Zoom as a digital medium, but I think the real issue is that in so many Zoom gatherings, what we see in the other participants is a camera turned off or a camera facing up to the ceiling, or even if I can see the face, what I see is this disinterested, disengaged atmosphere. I think that's the part that makes us zoomed out, is that so many Zoom meetings feel like they don't even need to be happening. But have you also noticed that once in a while, You'll be on Zoom and within 30 seconds, you completely forget that you're connecting through a screen because both you and the other people are so engaged and dialed in that it feels like a real human connection. So I know that it's possible, even online, for us to have meaningful, real, deep human connection. It'll never be the same or as good as in person. But I think it's time for us to commit ourselves to stop poo-pooing Zoom and and reinforcing that negative idea that it's so bad. It is a gift to us for a time like this. And if we will fully lean in and, and, and redouble our commitment that whenever we're online, we will pour ourselves into it, really connect with that other person, I think what you're going to find is that even through Zoom, our connections are going to be satisfying and meaningful. If I could offer a mantra for Harvest through this period, it would be this. Let's, let's meet or connect as often as we can in every way that we can. I want you to check out a video that captures the spirit of what I'm getting at here.
not much. How about you? Are you answering my text in person? I am, yeah. Now, that's a silly commercial. Um, and it's about a guy who goes out of his way because of his love for his car to connect with his friend in person. If he could do that for the love of a car, can't we do that for the love of our church? That spirit of like, I don't have to go and see you at the door. It's going to be like a five, especially in winter, I'm going to have a mask and a coat and I'll stand in front of your door for like five minutes. Is it worth it? But do you remember in the early part of the lockdown, how much it blessed you when someone randomly drove across town to come to your, your house, stand 10 feet away at the door and brought you like a basket of goodies or a roll of toilet paper and just because they wanted to connect with you. And it was maybe a five-minute visit, but those little gestures really bonded our hearts together in those early days. I think it's time to return to that spirit. I'm going to give you a second question here that this pandemic has posed us uh, regarding meeting together. And it's, should we meet Should we meet? Yes, we can meet. There's a lot of ways, but should we? And when it comes to in-person gatherings, especially larger ones, I think there are some legitimate reasons that you may feel you should not participate. Uh, Maybe you frequently contact older relatives and you want to be respectful and protective of them. Maybe you have a pre-existing condition that makes you medically vulnerable. Or maybe you're feeling under the weather and you want to make sure you're not going to infect other people. Perhaps you've traveled or had exposure to people at a a gathering and you want to just stay isolated in order to be respectful and, and protective of other people around you. If those are the reasons that you're choosing to opt out of gathering, I think you're being very wise and responsible for abstaining. And I I want to affirm that. Maybe when it comes to at least Sunday in-person gatherings, the reason you've opted out um, is because um, you are making the most of at-home online worship. I've heard a lot of wonderful stories from people at Harvest of how they're gathering one or two other people or families in their garage or in their yard, and they're having this amazing connection around that, watching the online sermon and talking together. And I'm so grateful for that. Or maybe your own family has had deeper communication and processing of the sermon than you've ever had before. And if that's what's keeping you away, Absolutely. We want to applaud you, celebrate that, and we are cheering you on. And there are other legitimate reasons to avoid in-person gatherings, which we totally understand. Maybe it's also possible that the reason you feel you should not is because you are very afraid of this disease. I don't think it's unreasonable to be afraid of a disease during a global pandemic. And if you're afraid, I I don't want you to feel guilty in any way. But I do have a pastoral concern for you. Because even though fear is a rational response to scary things, there is a cost to living under the oppressive weight of fear for nearly a year of your life. You know, there's a difference between feeling afraid and living in fear. One of those is a natural reaction, and the other eventually becomes a choice we make. I want you to consider what it will do to your soul, to your psyche, to give in to a real fear and live that way for a year. I want to let you know that there are safe and responsible ways to re-engage your world. And we have a God who consistently calls us to face our fears and conquer them because we trust Him. 
And this is not just a change of perspective or attitude. What God tells us is, I call you in courage and faith to move forward in the face of real danger, not just that you're a scaredy cat, but that there's a real danger. Any sane person would be afraid. And yet he calls us again and again, keep moving because I have you in my hands. That doesn't mean we should be reckless. But in the end, we don't trust our PPE and our best practices alone. In the end, no matter what dangers we face as Christ followers, it is God who is our ultimate protector. And I believe there are safe and responsible ways for you to re-engage your world. If this is where you are, I want to lovingly challenge you to take a small step of faith today or this next day and just say, I'm going to take a little step further out not because it's less dangerous, but because I am going to trust God and do everything I can to be responsible and safe. But in the end, my life remains in God's hands and there are some things worth bearing risks for. Let me finish with one last question for you. And that is this, will we meet? Even though we can meet, and even if we conclude we should meet, the question still remains, will we? I want you to think about how many things in your life you know that you can do and should do, but in the end you don't do. Isn't that what January 3rd is all about? Every New Year's resolution we make to get up at five in the morning, have two quiet times and eat a healthy breakfast or go jogging, we say all those things, I can do all those things, I should do all those things, but I'm not gonna. And that's human nature, isn't it? It's one of the things that defines the people we actually are, not the people we dream of becoming, but the people that we actually are. Even if we know that a connection or gathering, whether in person or online, even if we know it's going to be satisfying and worthwhile, it's still always more comfortable and always more convenient not to connect. Isn't that true? There's almost a feeling of when you got to play hooky from school. Whenever you don't join a meeting, it's like, yeah, I know it would have been good, but ooh, I have all this time to myself. And I get that feeling 100%. I understand what that's like. I said earlier that commands are given because doing the opposite is the most natural thing for us. We're prone to do the opposite. That's why the command has to be issued. Giving up meeting together is a really easy thing to do. It's comfortable, it's convenient, but in the end, it robs us more than you can imagine. You know, I hope you're, you've been inspired and convicted by something you've heard this morning. But the question before you is, will you do something about it now? This message has not been given to you to all ask you to agree with me, but to ask you to join me in acting on this call. Will you connect as often as you can? in as many ways as you can? Will you do it now? And here's another question I'll, I'll finish with. Will you do it later? Everything's going to return back to normal eventually. All the restrictions will be lifted. We'll be able to hug people again, laugh at each other's jokes, share food. I mean, when's the last time someone said, hey, taste this, and you're like, oh, well, yummy. We're so hesitant, we're so gun-shy, but that's all going to go away. And when that's all gone, what will be left in you? What will be left in me? Before COVID, I played three hours of hard basketball every Monday morning. 
And when the time wound down and we were finishing, I saw that a lot of gas left in the tank. I'm always wanting to play a little more. That's how it was before COVID. About a month ago, I tried to play like 15 minutes of horse or 21 in the driveway with my sons and a couple guests. And I am quite surprised I didn't actually die because I felt like something bad was happening to me medically. You know, I learned that day that muscles that don't get used shrink. They disappear. I felt so fit, so healthy before COVID. And in just seven or eight months, all of that leached right out of me. And if I had to save a a loved one's life, I don't think I could run a mile right now. See, what we do now will shape what we will be able to do then. That's a very reliable principle for life. This pandemic will eventually be over and all our freedoms will be restored. But will we have the spiritual muscles to remain thriving and flourishing as a church family when all the external limitations are lifted? What about us? And so here's what the wisest people have done during COVID in terms of physical fitness is they've doubled down on their commitment to stay active and keep moving. I'm convicted as I say these words that I need to do the same. Most of us will survive this pandemic medically. But will we survive it emotionally, spiritually, mentally, socially? Some of us will emerge physically healthy, but hollowed and scooped out in every other way. What we do now will make a difference about that. So let's not let that deterioration happen to us or to our church. This faith and this church family, it's worth fighting for. So I call you as a church, fight. Don't just let nature take its course. See what's coming. Know what's going to happen. And let's commit ourselves to connect with one another as often as we can, in as many ways as we can, whatever God will bring to our minds that we can do with our creativity. Let's do it all. Let's reach into each other's lives. Let's go out of our way. And I believe we can emerge in the spring a healthy, flourishing church in spite of this pandemic. We're going to have a closing song now. When we're done with that, I'm going to return and just give you a word of blessing. But if you need during that song to just reflect on where you are, Uh, and make some commitments to God or invite Him to keep speaking to you, let's do that as well. Harvest, may God open your eyes to see that without intentionality, it would be so easy for us to lose all the things that mean the most to us. As God opens our eyes, may He also give us the will to follow through, to do, and to act, not just to agree. Let's spur one another on and do that for one another. This is a call to the church. Let us spur one another on. May God help us do this for each other. And may God give us the desire and the hunger and the commitment to connect as often as we can in as many ways as we can so that together in these winter months, we will fight isolation and disconnection, and we will be the church to one another. And as we obey God in this, as we stretch, 
May God protect harvest and cause us to flourish in spite of everything the world seems to be throwing at us. May He get all the glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be blessed now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.